You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Coming to you from Podcast Detroit, it's Heard, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. Heard is a collaboration between the Hungry Dudes, Nick Drinks, and the Detroit Optimist Society. Each week, we interview industry professionals about issues related to food, beverage, and hospitality. Please take a moment to subscribe to Heard through the Apple Podcast app, Google Play, SoundCloud, or however you subscribe to your podcasts. Write a review and let us know what you think. For additional content, including awesome videos and photos, visit HerdPodcast.com, like Heard Podcast on Facebook, and follow at Heard Podcast on Instagram. We appreciate your support and hope you enjoy this week's episode of Heard. Hey everyone, welcome to Herd Podcast, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. I am your temporary host, Nick Britsky. Joe is on vacation or somewhere. I don't know. He, we couldn't find him. We he knocked on his door. One. Yeah. Uh, with me is Jason. Hey. And special guest in New York Live in the studio, Eric Castro of Bartender at Large. Hello, hello. So you are in town for a special guest shift at uh, Sugar House Detroit. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. It's going to be um, yeah tonight bartending from eight p.m. until midnight. So how does that? How does one go about getting a guest shift? Is this something you reach out to them? They reach out to you? Yeah, it's it's something along those those lines. It was like um, you know I was coming out to Detroit for the first time, and it's like. I feel like when you go to a new city as a bartender, it's so much easier just to meet everybody in one fell swoop. Sure. Rather than, um, you know, get, getting a cocktail at each bar you can think of, though, though I did that as well. So I'm casting a wide net, you know. For everybody that I couldn't go visit at their own bar, hopefully they'll be, be able to come see I me. I like it. So let me get, strategy. Yeah. yeah. So let me get this straight. So not only do you make money, but then you make everyone come to you. Oh, yeah. Actually, I, I do it for free. Like, I don't take any tips. I don't take any tips. It's just an opportunity to kind of just like, you know, I haven't done a single guest bartending shift where I didn't learn something. Nice. So it, it's kind of an opportunity. Like, maybe they'll learn a little something from me, and then I'll learn something from them. And it's like, it's, you know, it's a win-win for everyone. So you're coming into a new bar. Um, and that's so not being a true bartender myself. I can fake it. But do you try to learn some of their drinks? Do you do your own drinks? How do you go about kind of that Generally, guest shift? Yeah, generally with the guest bartender, they'll put together like a menu of mm. maybe like three to five drinks, yeah. and then they'll they'll kind of. Um, I'm a big proponent of it because I think it, it's just a good way to get everybody excited, especially if the bartender's from out of town. Um, so at, like at, gin and tonic, rum and coke. Yeah, we we have we do a whole series. <laughs> yeah, at, at polite provisions, okay. kind of around it. Also at Boilermaker New York, it's a good way to get people excited and kind of like learn new techniques from everybody. Nice. What are your thoughts on guest shift? Have you ever done a guest shift, Jason? Well, we've done a few. Uh, you know, not a not a singular guest shift, but we've done uh, like some takeovers, like some team takeovers. Violet Hour, awesome. you had yeah. 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 So we've taken the Sugar House staff. Uh, yeah, we've done Violet Hour. We've done Porco. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd certainly look to do more of those in the future. Um, I think we're going to do another Porco one with Mutiny, and then we've gone there, and then we've had them into the Sugar House. You know, so that oh, was a great awesome. experience. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's, uh, it was really cool, you know, being in Chicago just because there's already like a great Detroit, Chicago, you know, synergy there. And a lot of people in Chicago originally from Detroit. Yeah. So it was great for them to come out and represent as well as introduce the bar to a new, you know, a new audience. And it's nice because the communities are so great in all these cities for them to kind of cross pollinate and shift. Mm -hmm. Um, we've had some bartenders come over from, uh, Chicago into the Detroit area and kind of make Detroit their new home. I'm sure we've definitely had the vice versa. Mm-hmm. I know Kat just went over to Chicago to do her, her sommelier work over there. 
So it's yeah, it's just kind of a nice little crossbreeding. Uh, yeah, it's just everybody kind of just everyone learns a little something from from someone else. Right, it, it's always a lot of fun. So first time in Detroit. First time in Detroit. Yes. All right, get off the plane. You know, uh, did you do Delta? Yeah, flew Delta. All right, so that uh, helps. A direct flight to San yep. Diego. That was really nice. Saves a lot of time. And so you're definitely seeing uh, this beautiful uh, new airport that we have. Mm-hmm. You start driving around. Give me kind of your first expectations of uh, Detroit. What did you see? Sure, I've I've, I've had a had a blast so far. Um, yeah, I don't know. I thought I thought it's been really cool. Mm-hmm. A lot of the the places seem all very like revitalized. It mm-hmm. seems like there's a lot of attention put into maintain the integrity of the original space, which I think is really cool. Sure. Rather than just like, you know, I feel like on the West Coast of California, we just tear everything down and build something new. So it's nice to see, you know, just like a little bit of um, a love and attention being put into like the existing buildings. Well, the other thing with like, especially with Southern California is you guys really spread out just like Detroit. Yeah. So yeah. we're not like a tight, tight city. Mm-hmm. We definitely sprawl into all corners of everywhere. So um, Yeah, there's definitely neighborhoods which yeah. have like distinct personalities. Which exactly. Really cool as well. Yes, yes, yes. I was actually in San Diego. Oh, goodness. We were, it was right around New Year's-ish. Mm-hmm. And um, I checked out uh, George, George's at the Cove. George's Cove, great yep. spot, yeah. Uh, Stephen, right? Yeah. Stephen. Stephen, yeah. Stephen. Yeah. He was actually just transferring, transitioning over to be president of the Guild. Yeah, he's been doing a killer job with it, too. Yeah. And I he think he just left. just took over a new spot, yeah. Yep. He, he's taken over a uh, Hunter Proof. Which is cool because it's closer to my neighborhood. Very cool. So I can see him more often. Oh, that's great. I'm trying to think where else we went out there. Um, I know when I was in LA, I went to uh, Old Lightning, which is killer. Which is awesome. Yeah, that yeah. place is badass. And that has a loose association with Willis, right? Uh, it does. I don't know exactly what the ownership structure is, but okay. I know that Steve and Patrick uh, come from that world out there. So it's Willis like, is a new bar we have in Detroit. Yeah, I heard of it. It's um, What's that? Dave's kind of, Dave's involved with it. Did some of the yeah. He has a toe in it. Yeah. Um. It is a kind of a um. It's a show bar, and to my knowledge, it is the only bar that has a full uniform for the bartenders, and they are like um. Oh God, I'm trying to think of the bartender from The Shining, Hal. <laughs> oh, anyway, but that yeah. it reminds me of that. You know, not the creepiness, but the just the spiffiness and the polish. And it's it's a great bar. And when you you check out Old Lightning, I mean, Old Lightning, you just drool over all of the spirits that they have there. Yeah, it's amazing. And then you come to this beautiful experience at Willis. It's great. I need to get out there. I've only I only visited San Diego once. It was a very long time ago, in the spring break college days. And we went. My buddy was stationed at the, I think it's a Marine base there. Camp oh yeah, Pendleton. big one. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but we stayed. We just stayed in Old Town and basically got really drunk the whole time. It was pretty great. But I didn't venture into the city proper and i need to make another yeah. west coast trip the, the beer scene alone is worth the trip right it's, it's the most uh water beer scene in the u.s interesting and it, careful yeah. those are fighting words in michigan <laughs> hey, it's a, it's a, i mean it's just a fact it's right. a fact nice um you know um yeah it's i think the right now is 157 breweries or something wow it's ridiculous like you're just walking down the street and you'll just stumble stumble into a little place and it's just like you know i feel like a lot of times when you go in like you know kind of a a new brewery, right? You'll be oh cool, yeah. I tried to did their flight. A couple of the beers are pretty good, but I feel like in San Diego, since the scenes are so old, mm-hmm. it's you're like, damn, their porter is really good and their lager is good. Right, and so, right. of course, San Diego, so everybody's going, looking for the IPAs, but you know they forget that there's there's some there's a lot more beer being made than just IPAs. And I think last year was the first time since Prohibition that we passed uh, the breweries we had before Prohibition, yeah. so the number. So we're definitely oh, cool. like back at our fighting strength of you know beer alcoholism. Uh, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So you have a teeny tiny Instagram account you just started yesterday. Yeah. Called yeah, yeah, Bartender yeah. at Large. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. The, well, the, when we started Bartender at Large, originally the idea was that, um, was for it to be a documentary. We were going to mm-hmm. make a film. 
And we knew straight off the bat that we didn't have a budget to, to market it. So we were like, okay, cool. Well, we'll, we'll just, um, as we film the documentary, we'll just start posting photos and stuff online to kind of, um, yeah, to kind of let people know, know exactly what we're doing, what we're up to, where we're going to be headed off to. So it's kind of like allowed us to, to kind of get in touch with, 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 our, with our audience. And then as that went, then we finished filming the movie. And kind of like, well, we have all these cameras and we have all the audio. We might as well just like get a podcast going. So initially, like most of the energy, it, it started out as a film. Mm-hmm. And although the, the film's done really well, you know, kind of screened in over 35 cities around the world, blah, blah, won a bunch of awards. It kind of evolved into, you know, the podcast becoming the priority. Nice. And then now we're, I think, like 115 episodes or something like That's that. That's great. That's great. Online. And yeah, if anybody out there wants to check it out, you can just um, go to bartenderatlarge.com and you'll find more information on it. That's great. So is the video there as well for people? Yeah, you can click the link to buy the okay, film as cool. well. And actually, you can, it's free if you like because you can, you can get online and you name your own price. So you can pay zero if you want, but you, know, you can pay more. Totally up to you. So tell us how you go about kind of doing a, a documentary. Did you have a goal? Was it just to kind of cover cool people in the, you know, in the scene? We had no idea what we were doing. Okay. We had absolutely no idea what we were doing. We, had, we filmed the entire movie with just two Canon T4Is, like okay. these little cameras you can get for like two or $300 used. We filmed the entire documentary with just a team of three people. Mm-hmm. That's including me. Okay. So it was like, yeah. And we had all kinds of tricks that like add production value, which like, you know, move the cameras around to make it look like you got yeah, multiple right, angles. Right, right. If we saw, if there was like another photographer or videographer, like at an event, we would try to get them in the footage. So it looks like we had another, <laughs> another person in our crew. <laughs> yeah. It was a lot of fun, man. But you know, it, it was cool. I think that the highlight of, of the documentary was like basically us being able to highlight and showcase what's going on in some of these cities across the u.s that don't get a lot of press and don't get a lot of hype sure so tell me which cities did you film in do you remember yeah oh man we were it was mostly western u.s but you know um like boise i would say was probably Mm. the most like surprising out of all of them yeah because like no i feel like we don't really know much about it yeah you know it's like potatoes yeah right but it's like uh boise's actually is the most isolated capital in the lower 48 i've learned since and and it's gorgeous. They have a great food scene, great cocktail scene, beer scene, everything across the board. And it's like kind of just hidden. Nobody really knows too much about it. That's great. All right, they're so doing just, it on purpose, though. Supposedly that they like they don't want people to know what they have. That they have a little paradise. Interesting. All right. So and then here comes bartender <laughs> large. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, cats out of the bag, guys. Yeah. All right. So besides Boise, what other kind of unique spots did you find from that out there? I like Tucson a lot. I thought mm, Salt Lake City mm. was super cool. Yeah, absolutely. Salt Lake City like does not get the respect it deserves uh, in regards to the cocktails. Project X, a uh, Bar X, Bar X, yep. yeah, which was a total blast. Yep. Um, and you know everybody thinks like with all the laws and you know the draconian rules they have in regards to like mixing drinks and, and cocktails and stuff in Salt Lake City that would hold it back. But if anything, it's one of those examples of how it just made them mm-hmm. more creative. Yeah, you know, so Less, it's like yeah. yeah. Last time I was there, I remember, uh, like, you couldn't have two drinks in front of you. Mm-hmm. Like, you could only have one drink at a time, which I guess isn't that strange. Like, you're really only drinking one drink at mm-hmm. a time, but still, like, no, you have to finish that before I can give you another one. Yeah, exactly. It's super strange where it's like, you know, I feel everywhere else we're kind of trained to, like, oh, you offer another drink when they're, like, you know, thirty mm-hmm. only 30% left. So it's like they are constantly have something in front of them. But it's like, yeah, they, they can't – you can't have a Boilermaker there. You can't have a beer and a shot. Right, because it's two yeah. separate drinks. Yeah. Ah, neat. So it is, it is kind of weird. But one thing I thought that was really cool is that, you know, you look at the, some of these cocktails like the Star Daisy and the Vucare, and it's like the, the split base, right? You know, in, in Salt Lake, you can't have more than an ounce and a half of base spirit in a cocktail. Okay. Right? So, but you can have, you can add another spirit if it's considered a modifier, if the bottle has modifier on the side. So, like a sticker, like, yeah. uh, you know, 
state mandated sticker. So if anything, it's made them very creative and like all, a lot of their cocktails are all about split bases. Okay. So it, it's kind of like, so they can get the full two ounces in there. Right, right. But you know, so it'll be like this cocktail will be like age rum with Applejack. And next one's like, you know, scotch with, you know, whatever, what have you. Um, and it's just made, it, it's kind of created an identity for the city, like a style that they're known for. And I have to imagine you don't have like the cocktail police knocking on the door all the time. No, I mean, yeah, they don't really know too much about what's going on because right. the, the people who write the rules right. have no <laughs> idea what goes into craft cocktail. Yeah. So I think for the most part, they kind of get largely left alone. Um, there was a beer limit too, wasn't there? An ABV on beer limit? Yeah, but it only applies to beers on tap. Very interesting. So you can sell, you can still buy, you know, like a barley wine that's 12% alcohol, but it has to be in a bottle. In a bottle. All right, so you enjoyed this movie, and you said, "All right, we're gonna do. We're gonna keep this momentum going. Do a podcast." Yeah, talk about the transition to that. Well, the idea being that we're like, "Oh, cool. Well, we'll start this podcast, and we'll just kind of keep it going." And um, you know, and then from that, we'll like kind of just keep the word out about the movie, and the podcast will promote the film. And, and while that worked, you know, eventually we just like, shit, the podcast is like kind of taking on a life of its own. Let's yeah. just keep it going. So even though the, the the film was officially released for purchase last um. Last October, okay. online, um, we kind of just kept the, the podcast going because it's just kind of taken on a life of its own. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. Well, cause, I mean, because uh, it, it seems like it would give you an opportunity to dive into more of those things that you've seen over mm-hmm. over the, you know, you come through a town for the video and you get to see a lot of great things, but um, it would seem like you get to, again, like, yeah, really dive into some of those uh, things and explore them a little bit further. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. It's so much fun. Um yeah, I, I really enjoy it because I feel like it's kind of, it, you know, allows you to meet some really cool people, you know. So tell me the year. like you guys. Oh, yeah, we're okay. Know. We're fine. Um, so tell me the year you did the movie. What was that? What year did you do the movie? Uh, we filmed it all in 2016. Okay. Put, it took us about a year to put together. Okay. So, so I, I like, mean, yeah. recent-ish, not yeah. so much to the fact that you're like going back and you're like, oh, craft cocktails weren't a thing yet. Yeah. But like it's very much, okay, people are pretty established. Mm-hmm. They got their flow. Um, how long have you been bartending personally? Shit. Maybe about 18 years or something. Okay. So 17 years. Yeah. You've definitely seen kind of the transition from like club cocktails to craft cocktails. Oh yeah. Yeah. If you could, if you would have told me, you know, like 10 years ago that you could have a Negroni at the movie theater or, you know, have a Sazerac while you're watching, you know, like the latest, like, you know, Tom Cruise movie or something, I would have thought you were crazy. And now that's the reality that we live in, you know, which is why I feel like, you know, that the, the but the stereotype of like the grouchy mixologist mm-hmm. and stuff is just like it, it it's it's expired yeah. you know that 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 time's gone because now there's so many places to get a good drink like no you you don't need I to don't need this. attitude yeah. yeah um the movies movies i think are a great example because i definitely remember seeing movies out of college being like i just want a drink yeah. i don't want a soda i don't want any of this i want a drink why is it so hard to put a bar in here yeah. and i think it just kind of started popping up you know kind of uh, early 2000s mm-hmm. and then yeah that definitely got hold and now I don't think you'd open a, a theater without a bar no I wouldn't even go I haven't even been to like the conventional old school movie theater that okay. doesn't have a bar in maybe like shit like two years okay like now I only go to the movie theaters like you know go with my wife my wife has an IPA and I'll have a cocktail and we just enjoy the film like adults you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> alright so you go to a movie and let's say it's not the caliber of bartender you're looking for mm-hmm. or maybe any general bar what is your go-to for maybe a more mass market bar? Like when you want a, a cocktail, but you're like, uh, I don't know their skills. What do you, what do you go after? Uh, I'll probably order a beer. Yeah. That's like I the one it. thing yeah, they yeah, can't yeah, mess yeah, up. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
Or even then, it's like, you know, having something just like a whiskey on the rocks or something, you know, they can't mess that up. Sure, sure, know? sure. Because I, I still feel like even though programs across the board have gotten better, there are still individual bartenders who, who you know, aren't going to be able to deliver. So, you know, but I, I feel like with each year that passes, each day that passes, really the, the number of bartenders just goes down that yeah. can't make a good drink. Now it's crazy. Yeah, you can go to some of these chain restaurants and stuff. Actually, a, a lot of consulting that I, I do mm-hmm. on the side is for like some of these big national chains. And it's, it's really cool being able to like, you know, blow their minds with something really simple. Right. And again, it, it tends to be really l- little simple stuff that can make such a big difference. Yeah. Uh, I know, Jason, we went to Black Panther together. Um, When you go to a movie theater, what what is your go-to order? Well, I'll be honest with you. Uh, When I go to the movie theater, I generally go to the drive-in because I can take my own. Are you serious? The movie, to me, me personally, the last... I mean, I'm not high on movies the last couple years. I did see Dunkirk. That was one I enjoyed at the IMAX. But, um, yeah, I don't know. For me, personally, the type of movies I like, uh, I don't really find them at the movies. So, uh, yeah, we're still in Detroit, uh, fortunate to have the Ford Wyoming. It's one of the original yeah. drive-ins in the country. Well, the yeah. Big Sean uh, Theater's coming, though. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, I don't think, th- you know, that's great. I support that project, but it, they'll never be able to recreate the feeling of, like, going into an original vintage 50s, yeah. uh, you know, drive-in movie theater. And it's, uh, you know, whether you're with your girlfriend on a date or with, you know, a group of people. And you go there, and it's just like a beautiful summer night. They do double features till mm-hmm. late. You know the the like the concession place is just super retro, and it's just a good you know it's a good experience there. So um, that's usually my trick because then you just load it up. Like you got pillows, you've got your own alcohol and yeah. whatever else you want. But you got the the bench seat in the front of the car so you can snuggle together. The, eh, that's what the pillars are for. So okay, I don't have the bench seat. <laughs> you haven't been to a driving forever. That's a good I don't know if I've ever I been. have to have like yeah. a uh, like a. Pay Uber or Lyft driver for like a two hour rate to just <laughs> so, park with me, watch a movie. So you don't have a car. Yeah, I don't have a car. So fantastic. So yeah. you're surviving in San Diego without a car. Yeah. Um, how bad is your commute from your your house or your apartment to your bar? Uh, it's not too bad. It's okay. not too bad. I, I find it just if anything, it kind of just keeps me in my neighborhood. I, I like just don't really leave North Park. But uh, I do have a we have a new spot. I opened up a new place in April called Raised by Wolves in Loy, okay. and then that that actually. I'm actually starting to debate whether I should buy a car because at that point, you know, I'm taking like Ubers and Lyfts all, all mm-hmm. week. I'm like, uh, you know, start, it just started starting to wear on me like, okay, cool. The, 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 this might not be feasible without a car. So if you're in La Jolla, you're going to need a, at least a Porsche then, right? Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully one day. <laughs> one day we'll see. Um, all right. So tell us about the the new bar. What's kind of the theory there? Oh, my there? God. I'm, I'm so excited about this place. Uh, Raised by Wolves, it's a new spot. There's really not much like it mm-hmm. in California because it's a retail space with a bar. Nice. Very cool. So, so it's a bottle can, shop. Yeah. Full um, yeah, boutique bottle shop up front and then a, just a massive cocktail bar in the back. And it's like, you know, the bar itself is, I think, about 2,800, maybe 3,000 square feet. Wow. So it's a good size bar. And, and it was really cool, because, and, and it's in a mall. It's in the the La Jolla Westfield UTC, okay, which is like kind of like the most po- postmodern thing I could think of, like proper craft cocktails in a mall. But you have an outside door, then? Yes. Okay. Yes. Because the mall's going to close, like right yeah, when you want to start going. Mall, yeah, 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 yeah. San Diego, but it's crazy. It's one of those like really outdoor mall. malls. Okay. So there's like no Foot Locker. There's no Charlotte <laughs> Russe. It's like you can go buy a Tesla at the mall. You know, the Apple Store. It's all kind. Of, it's all really high end stuff. <laughs> nice. John Barbados, all that. And it's it, it's really it's a really interesting place because um, it's not really you know that that little area doesn't really have a culture with craft cocktails so it's um, so we weren't sure how it was going to play out at first it's like is, is 
what, what's everybody going looking for? What do yeah. they want? But if anything, it's if we pretty much sell it's like ninety five percent menu cocktails. And and you're open now, right? Yeah. Okay. So come time Christmas, you're probably going to be slammed. It's, it, yeah, it's already slammed. So we're and, and we've actually heard that in that area. Um, holiday season starts in like early October. Okay, is when it really picks up. So yeah, we're pretty excited for it. We've actually we're. We need to hire a lot more people. <laughs> well, and so that's something great to talk about. So yeah. we were very lucky to have a Miracle Bar this year uh, at Skip, and they were slammed all the time. Yeah. So as a as a bar manager, what do you do when you get that huge volume? Is it just people? Um, shoot, actually, yeah. I'm actually glad you brought that up because Plight Provisions is also um, – mm-hmm. my other bar in San Diego is also doing a Miracle. We did it very last cool. year, and we're doing it again this year. And we're Money. just starting to gear up for it. Yeah. yeah, we're starting to gear up for it. And it's like, you know, we're, we're actually – thinking about okay like we need to bring on seasonal help it's really weird to yeah. bring on so if anything we've just reached out to like bartenders that used to work for us that are like kind of you know no longer there anymore we're like hey would you be interested in doing like two days a week yeah, yeah, yeah. just for maybe about five weeks you know and you'll make a bunch of money you're gonna get your ass kicked but you know then afterwards we don't Just have to feel spirit. bad about letting yeah. them go right you know right. it's like come january we don't have to worry about being overstaffed and it is crazy it's so much fun cool. and another thing that we realized from doing it um the first year was like the amount of time you think it's going to take to decorate it, the number of man hours like triple it because it is so much more intensive than you might think because they're they're not give, they're giving you merch but they're not giving you decorations right yeah. Okay. So yeah, it skips looked beautiful. They had I remember that train yeah. they had in there that was really neat. Um I think beyond decorations though, it can't just be staff. There has to be prep and oh, like man. layout yeah. and like what what else do you look at to like get drinks out faster? Oh man, like really the, the nice thing is like, you know, it's only just I think like 10 drinks. So those we learn real quick, you just have to batch everything. All batched. Got like, it. Pretty much yep, everything that'll do has it. to be batched. And, okay. Like normally like that's not something we would ever do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for, for this, you're just like shit. We're we're just gonna get rocked for like 13 <laughs> hours today, <laughs> you know. And you just know it because on the weekends we're open 11:30 to mm-hmm. um, to two, two a.m. And we're just like we're, we're gonna get pummeled from the, the second the doors open until we close. So I feel like that's something interesting to talk about. It's kind of the rise of so we have some canned cocktails in the studio. The rise of kind of uh, some of the batched kegged cocktails. We have a couple bars that are exclusive in Detroit mm-hmm. that are batched cocktails. And you bring up this kind of apprehension because as a bartender, you put all this money into a keg. And if you don't sell it, you lose money because yeah. you can't unmix it. So what have you noticed about like keg to cocktails? Oh, is it shoot. just that or is it, I mean, do you think that there's a penalty oh, a on the perception of oh, yeah, that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. when you're putting something in a, in a container like that? Um, yeah, I think so. Cause uh, at Polite, we're actually all three of my spots. We have, we have like expansive draft cocktail programs at all of them. And what I think a lot of times people they don't understand is like there's much just as much yeah craft and attention to to detail going into the 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 entire keg as there would be if we were making it all a menu it's just a lot of these things we couldn't you can't make them all a menu like it, it wouldn't be feasible sure yeah because we have some draft highballs that are essentially just like you know our house made sodas with um spiked with alcohol mm-hmm. and you know we carbonate those for three days before they ever go on tap so it's like to make try to make that on the spot would just be would just be like ridiculous all right Talk about the carbonation for three days. Is that yeah. it takes that long to absorb the carbonation? No, but we find that, that the fizz is best after three days. That's awesome. Like, like we, we let it, we actually have these little stations that aren't even hooked up to any, they're in the keg room in the mm-hmm. walk in. They're actually not even hooked up to any taps. We just like, when, once, they're, once they're finished making them, we hook them up for three days and they just sit there and just charge. That's cool. So they get cold and get real fizzy. I mean, there's ways to do it faster, but this is just like, you know, we have the station specifically for that. You just hook it up and then let it, let it get charged with CO2. Yeah. I, I, I think cake tacos are great, especially yeah. for big events and parties when you're, you're moving stuff. 
oh my gosh, it's, it's the only way to go. Yeah. yeah, I have no problem with it. I mean, I think, well, you've got like the standbys obviously doing, like they do the, uh, uh, the, the Flux. In the They're all, the, oh, that place is great. Yeah. yeah. I had dinner there the other night. Yeah. Even at the mm-hmm. Sugar House, I mean, you know, it, I think there's a, a good trade off where you can say to somebody, here's, you know, all of our drinks, but we also have a draft old fashioned. We stand behind. It's mm-hmm. one of the best mm-hmm. old fashions in the city. But because it's, because we've taken the time to put it in the batch, you know, and because of how quickly we can execute it, then it's not as expensive and there's like a yep. good value yeah. for you as a, as a consumer. But I get what you're saying. If you're, if you're going there for the show and mm-hmm. Grant, if it's slow and you can watch a bartender make a drink for 10 minutes, awesome. Mm-hmm. But if you're three bar, you know, you're three people deep, the last thing is you want some guy to make like a, a remote gin fizz and yeah. just watch him shake for five minutes, you know? It's, it's not possible. Yeah, plus there's also a lot of times a lot of really cool like uh, effect that you can get from draft cocktails that you can't get – you couldn't get otherwise. Like for instance, at Polite, we have one of them. Um, we have like a, a brandy milk punch on nitro. Okay. On nitro, that's Which cool. is just super kick-ass because I mean you have this like, you know, a little bit a little bit of cognac, some rum, um, and, and the texture on it is just like – it's like a cloud, you know, Be, just because like, you know, what what, what the nitro – it almost comes out – the texture is like a, of a Guinness. Cool. And it comes out, you're like, you couldn't make that all menu. It'd be ridiculous. You know, what are you going to have like a little ISI chamber? We actually tried to do with that. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was ridiculous. It just, the texture wasn't as good as like something that's literally sitting on nitro for three days, you know? Nice. So it's just that the texture was so much better. And I think what, when people taste the cocktail and they realize, oh shit, like, it, you know, any, 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 any qualms they might have had about something being on, on draft is like, it evaporates. Uh, the first cocktail competition I was in, I, and I've only done like six. Mm-hmm. It, I tried to carbonate a cocktail in like five minutes. It was it was a disaster. Yeah, it did. I did not get it done in time, and I I lost heartily, heartily. <laughs> <in that. laughs> I well, could see the, that. Yeah. How much time? Because I mean, uh, you know, it, you, obviously you're just doing that for a competition. You probably didn't spend too much time on mm-hmm. research and development into no, putting zero. it out there. Versus, you know, how much time do you guys spend on average? You know, uh, playing around with those things, yeah, figuring right, out like right. three days is the right amount of for the uh, for the soda carbonation, or you know what the how to execute on that. Uh, yeah, intro. it was a lot of trial and error. We pretty much have it down now. You know, going in like especially with play going into sixth year now. Wow! Um, congrats. Yeah, thank you, thank you. We, we we pretty much have it down, but yeah, the, the early stages we were just tweaking everything. Like, oh, let's change this. Let's oh, you know, let's kick up a little bit of citric acid. Let's pull back. Um, like, yeah, yeah, let's see. Let's see. Is it different if we fill the keg to the top and if we pull it back a little bit? You know, just all those variables. Oh, There's a million variables. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. There it is. That's the system. I mean, you could write. That made it easier to open up the second and the third one, right? Oh, yeah. Way, way easier. Way easier. And then now it's like, I feel like we've got a lot more, uh, a lot more experimental with it. Just even, uh, you know, at, the, at Raised by Wolves, we have this like Irish whiskey with horchata, like house horchata on tap. That's just like a fucking banger. It just sells, you know, and, and it's just nice to be able to kind of just offer that. You know, I want one. Have that opportunity. It's so cool. So, besides kind of learning from uh, bartenders, uh, do you recommend a good source for maybe learning how to keg? Um, I know Liquid Intelligence has a little bit on it. Yeah. Um, I don't think anyone's written a keg book, to my knowledge. No, I don't think anyone has. You know, um, we've been approached about it in the past. It's kind of something we've we've, we've toyed around with it. Um, you never know what could happen. Um, it's out there. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. Uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that. But yeah, it, it is. Uh, and plus a lot of the sources I see online are just untrustworthy. You know, they'll, they'll talk about something or sometimes they're worst case scenario. I've even seen people advocate things that are dangerous. They're like, oh yeah, we, we charge our, we, we keep our, our highball like at, you know, 70% or 70 PSI. <gasps> and you're like, 
what the fuck? Like, <laughs> dude, you cannot leave something like that, you know, just sitting around, you know? It's like you tell that to one of your brewer friends and they're just going to have a heart attack. Right. Like, wait, what? it's just left in there like that, you know? So, yeah, you 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 obviously don't want to crank PSI to, to a point where it becomes unsafe. So, you know, it's important that, um, you know, I'd say, I'd say the best resource would be is ask a local home brewer or, a, you know, a brewmaster or something, ask them for a little bit of advice and they'll sure. be able to help you out. Um, I think just if you had your, your PSI that high, you just open your keg fridge one day and just like a flood yeah. would come out. Oh, I, I knew this guy who told me they were keeping it. They cranked it to 90, 90 PSI. And I was like, uh, what? Like, like, oh, yeah, it's fine. I was like, you know, that's not safe, man. <laughs> like, especially if you're if you're walking it's really cold, then the pressure gets, you know, uh, yeah, I, it's insane. Because uh and again, what I do is typically I carbonate to around twenty five thirty, mm-hmm. and that is spent around five. Yeah, I don't know if that's normal. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that that that, that that's that's pretty close to, to what we do around. Um, yeah, it, it, yeah. I guarantee you're probably having a lot of luck with that. Decent luck. Yeah, yeah. I have a leak in my system, so I got to find that. Still. Shit. Yeah. I ran into I, I'm down to a slow leak, but it's still a leak. <laughs> <laughs> I ran into a guy at uh, Tales of the Cocktail a couple years ago, and I don't know whatever happened because it was a kind of a fuzzy conversation, but. His idea was a good one in terms of batch cocktails. They were going to go and do all the festivals around the country yeah. and just hit it with batch cocktails, but like really good. I don't know what happened to that guy. Oh, yeah. I have, a fr- I have a friend of mine who does that. Um, he owns a company. They do stuff for like Coachella and stuff, and he and they do everything from scratch, and it's insane just mm-hmm. the production that goes in that because yeah. obviously they're not making cocktails for the entire park, but more for like the VIP areas. Yeah. And you know the, the beauty is that all the skill level and all the talent is in the, is in the prep. You know, so he has like really good bartenders, mm-hmm. you know, doing juice and making syrups and kegging the cocktails. And the, but the people who are dispensing them just like, they can be any Joe, any random, right. like any you random can pull a handle. bartender. Yeah. Yeah. And they're just like, here, fill this up, squeeze the lime on top. Can you do that? Yep. You know, so it's like, you see this, like in these like thousands of people just like getting hammered in the sun, drinking like, you know, really premium cocktails, listening to live music. And you're like, yeah, again, if someone told me this 10 years ago that concert goes would be drinking like you know really well-made craft cocktails i would have thought you were crazy well let me ask you this because that's that, i'm curious about this so you said you've been bartending for 18 years mm-hmm. and so, about yeah probably about 16 17 16 yeah. 17 yeah. but before the last 10 years i mean that entire time were you making negronis and classic oh fuck no, no. So, <laughs> right no. so i'm so i'm trying to like you know there's uh i used to work at a chain restaurant man so, I, used to, I worked at a chain restaurant for seven years because that was like the only option, right? Yeah, yeah. The, or like, like there, there was or... no such thing as a, like a career bartender was wasn't even a, like a turn of phrase anybody would use. In yeah, that so that's kind of what I want to probe just a little bit because you you know we we're talking about you're just saying uh, you know this guy they're going to Coachella and they've got good bartenders and so mm-hmm. a good bartender is one that's mm-hmm. doing all the right things, using all the right ingredients, yeah. using the right techniques. Um, what did a good bartender look like? 16 years ago. You know, it, I would say it hasn't really changed that much um, because, you know, the, 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 the basic fundamental skills that go into bartending are essentially really unchanged. Um, the, the level of the caliber of cocktail you're expected to create now is different, has changed, but everything else is the same, you know? Like, that's why I feel like, you know, sometimes I'll hear like a snarky comment from somebody like, oh, you know, I put out an ad online to get some people to apply and it's like, all I got was a bunch of guys from like Chili's and Fridays and stuff. I'm like, are you serious? Like, interview them like they might be really good yeah, like, yeah. because sometimes i find that with a lot of these chains you know myself i've worked for change for seven years like you know they know how to run a clean bar they know how to like multitask they know how to ring in orders without messing them up you know they know how to tend to people's needs take care of them do probably good with know, loss yeah good with loss yeah. they're good at like just systems because the it's in bar. a big system yeah mm-hmm. essentially they they know how to do 95 percent of bartending you know and even even the cocktails they make you know that that, that they're not that don't taste that good 
I mean, they, they still know how to jigger and how to shake and how to stir and everything accurately. So all you have to do is just show them. Yeah. All you have to do is just, you know, okay, this is fresh juice, this is fresh lime, this is fresh pineapple. You know, I'm going to show you what green chartreuse is and, you know, the difference between Navy strength and blah, blah, blah. And they'll, and they'll figure it out, you know. So I've had really good luck with, with, with hiring ex-chain uh, uh, bartenders. What can't be taught to a bartender? To so, care. To care. You just, just you, ambivalence. You, yeah, yeah. Like I can't in like four weeks of training, I can't teach you what your parents failed to teach you in 18 years. <laughs> it's just it's impossible. Like, you know, just, things like, yeah, just, just character, just caring, having a good work ethic. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, you can't teach that. So it's a, we've, that, that's why it's more important to, to find motivated people. And if they're motivated to learn, that they'll be awesome. Okay. Yeah. So I, I feel like in Detroit, probably more in the, the bigger metros, but kind of coming to Detroit, is we are starting to leave this very high craft, high craft cocktail concept and transitioning more into somewhere between like a yes bar and a little more relaxed concept mm-hmm. where you're still getting a delicious well-made drink, but you are dropping the arm garters and the pretentiousness. Mm-hmm. What are you seeing kind of as you travel? Are people still kind of doing that high concept craft or is there more of a relaxed nature happening? I think it's a mix. I think it's a mixed. Um, I feel like as the audience is getting wider, people are wider up- or whiter. No, sorry, wider. Wider, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Sorry, wider. Yeah, <laughs> with, with, with a D. As the um, you know, as, as cocktails are getting are getting more and more mm-hmm. mainstream, people are are wanting different things from each experience. Okay. Where it's like before, it's like yeah, the only experience you could get was um, you know, like the arm garters and the in the vests and all that, which is great, you know. But now it's like you said, now you can get a good cocktail to movies, mm-hmm. you know, at the movie theater. So I, I definitely think it's like. Now there's just a wider spectrum of, of what's available. And I think people are finally starting to kind of get it through their heads that you can't get everything everywhere. Yeah. You know, it's like you, you wouldn't go to like a Thai restaurant and ask for pizza or, you know, like a, a southern place, you know, good That's, southern fried chicken place and order like, you know, spaghetti. Yeah. I mean, my, my, my feeling from being at the Sugar House and starting at the Sugar House is exactly that. Like the idea of the Prohibition Bar – was more of a way to deal with the guests' sort of like cognitive dissonance with being told no. Yeah. Like you come into Sugar House when it opened seven years ago, almost mm-hmm. seven years ago, and there was a reason when people – when you tell people no, you can't have a vodka a soda. Bomb yeah. or some of these other things. And then it's like – but the reason why you can't is because – we're doing this, and there's yeah. a, and it's like, and then it makes sense because they can say, okay, it's a prohibition era speakeasy, and that's the concept. Yeah. So maybe that makes a little bit more sense to me why they're telling me no, and then once they get comfortable with it, and then it's like a education over time, like you said, once mm-hmm. more people understand what's going on, you didn't need that, you didn't need that link anymore mm-hmm. to talk to people about it. They just got it. Yeah. Now there's places that are like a legit just blend of, you know, of anything you could think of. Like there's this really great bar in LA called a uh, honey cut. It's mm. almost like, a, it's like a nightclub that has cocktails cool. and you can go in there and be like, yeah, I'll take a, I'll take a, you know, vodka, Red Bull, uh, two Sazeracs and a South side. And then the bartender <laughs> just cranks them out and it's just like, but there's nothing about it that at no point do they ever make it, make you feel like You're Ooh, this is yeah. novelty. Yeah. They're just like, oh yeah, here you go. You order three or four cocktails. Here you go, man. You know, of course it's LA. So, you know, it's like 60 bucks or something right. <laughs> for those four drinks. But, you know, but either way, um, like people are getting their, they're, they're having fun. Yeah. They're partying. They're in a great venue. They're listening to loud music and then doing whatever they want to do, you know? So I think we're finally at that, at that point now where we don't have to prove what we're not, but we're more comfortable with what we are. Do you think there's room for more specialty bars? 
be it rum, agave, oh, things definitely. like that. Definitely. I think we're only scratching like the tip of the iceberg in regards to like rum and especially, yeah, you named two good ones like like rum and agave, mm-hmm. cognac as well too. Oh, I don't know if we're ready ooh, for, you know, like, ooh. you know, more like cognac designated bars, but I do think, you know, um, brandy as a whole is unappreciated yeah. with, the, with the modern um, bartender. Well, with Pisco and Armagnac and all that, yeah. you could go pretty wide with that. That's interesting. Definitely. Yeah. Um, we are getting our first agave bar next year. I don't know when Toma's supposed to open, oh, awesome. but we're super, I'm super geeked about that. Um, what have you seen? So maybe as, as again, if you, you've traveled, is there any um, bar that's really focused on something hard, hardcore that maybe would be too niche for something you to do, mm-hmm. but they're just killing it? Like something that's so specific, like they only make, you know, whiskey sours and they just make the best whiskey sour ever. Yeah. Anyone doing that? I would say, you know, that, yeah, that, there, there's a few spots like I can tiki. think about off the top of my head. Yeah, there's some really great tiki bars right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, obviously like the... The Tiki Renaissance has fully caught yeah. up, you know, with with the the craft cocktail Renaissance going on. Yeah, place like like Lost Lake, you know. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, sure, you know, if you order Sazerac or Manhattan, they'll make it for you, but that's kind of not the point of it. You right. know, you go in there just get something like really wild that's like super ornate and garnished and, and just beautiful. Um, Amorio Margo is another example oh, I love. Billy where Sunday, it's like, yeah, yeah, like you know, a, a bar like that that's so small, mm-hmm. it really. I was surprised it, how small that bar yeah, was when I went there. You know, but yeah, if that place was 3,000 square feet, like the concept wouldn't, wouldn't work, yeah. you know, but the fact that it's so small, you can have a really, really niche program mm-hmm. in something like that. Yeah, they're, 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 there's just a lot of examples out there. Oh, the the Milk Room in Chicago. Yes. Which is amazing. You know, they're- Just they're, give them your credit card yeah. when you walk in because it's going to be $1,000. You know, Old Lightning <laughs> in Santa Monica. Yep, yep. It's these places that are just like, this is all we make. This is all we do. Like, if you don't like it, you can go somewhere else. Yeah. But, you know- Enjoy yourself. Milk Room's wild. I was lucky enough to go with my corporate card. Yeah. And I mean, when it's just like, yeah, yeah this, buddy, this drink is $100. And you're like, what? what? <laughs> you're like, oh, I'm going to lose the itemized receipt. And I'm just going to submit I it. I don't think I submitted an itemized yeah. receipt. <laughs> when is this going out? After October, hopefully? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so maybe not 100% topical. Yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, good stuff. All right. So now that you've explored a couple bars in Detroit, you're kind of getting a little bit of feel. What would be some advice for Detroit to kind of make the next step? Oh, shit. Um, we submitted all these to your publicist that didn't, that they yeah, didn't get right. to. You know, I'm thinking, um, <laughs> you guys are doing You guys are doing everything right, man. I feel like maybe I think that the, the city might be ready for like, I know everyone always knocks like, you know, cocktail weeks. Oh, every city has a cocktail week now. But I think maybe just doing a really big event to like get everybody here. to, to, to Like Detroit Cocktail I'm, Classic. So I'm glad you, so I'm glad <laughs> yeah. you brought that up because uh, this is actually the second year that we're Working on uh, something uh, collectively, there will be its uh, sort of a cocktail week in its infancy, but there was a Detroit Cocktail Classic. It was a one-day event on a Friday. Oh, cool. That had been going on for the last four or five years. But that seems more that's like consumer-focused. No. Well, no? yes and no. It's mixed. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's It's yeah. not tails. Yeah. Yeah, there's a. It is. I would say it's definitely more consumer focused. There are some. Um, there are some seminars and trade things during the day, but mm-hmm. at this point, I would say definitely a little bit more consumer focused. Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. But this yeah. will be the second year that we've extended out for the whole week, and you know, all a bunch of different bars and are included and brands, and there's the capstone event, and then you know, a mixture of happy hours and spirited dinners and after parties every day throughout the week. Mm-hmm. You know. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of just another way to let everybody know what you guys are doing out here. That's a good segue. So myself, Cocktail Detroit, and Teak Life are all going to be covering the event live at the the Grand Tasting. And then leading up to it, we're going to feature a bunch of drinks because all the bartenders pair up with brands to to make some cool drinks as well. But yeah, there's a whole list of events happening. 
<laughs> one already sold out. That's so, awesome. Um, when is it? Uh, first, first week in October. October. Yeah. Okay. And if somebody wanted to get more information about this, where would they go? Probably Facebook. The website's not great. If you go to Detroit Cocktail Classic on Facebook, that's the my best guess. Sorry, Anthony. Andrew. Anthony. <laughs> Anthony. 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 Uh, he just released it all like yesterday. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, I'd say there isn't really much you guys have to change. Just, 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 everywhere we went, we had incredible food, every incredible drinks. You know, obviously, we're going like the best in town because right, everybody right. sent us all the good spots. But, you know, I haven't had a bad drink since I got here. That's great. You know? What's uh, the, uh, what, what, what was it about, like, when did, when did Detroit kind of come on your radar? <laughs> and when did you start thinking? Probably about two years ago. Okay. I remember people first coming, like, they talk to me about it like, oh, man, have you been to Detroit yet? Oh, man, you got to check it out. There's, there's some really cool spots out there, blah, blah, blah. So it's like people have probably been telling me to come out here for about two years. Okay. And then, um, you know, then, then once enough people start to tell you, like, okay, cool. Maybe, maybe I need to get out there. You know, I'm, I'm hearing some good things, so I need to get out there and check it out. Like it. Cool. Yeah. Any, uh, is there going to be a bartender large two with the more East Coast focused? Uh... Oh, man. There, there, there's definitely, there's definitely something that works. I, I, I can't announce this yet, but. But we've already started, you know, kind of preliminary planning and stuff on it. So f- follow us on Instagram, at, at bartender at large on Instagram. And then, you know, you kind of stay, um, keep abreast of what we're working on. All right. So having a sizable Instagram following. Yes. Do you get approached by brands, by agencies? Like, yeah, we generally just ignore them. Oh, you just ignore them? Okay. <laughs> yeah. We really, you know, it's funny because like it kind of started as like um, our Instagram, we really don't pay as much attention to it. We only really started paying You're killing me. more You're attention just, to it hurts, over the last few soul. months. Um, <laughs> you know, be, because like, yeah, but we haven't really, we don't really like sell ads or do anything like that just because like. I feel like that's another job, and it's like, totally like should I have yeah. enough jobs? I don't need to deal with it. Well, you watch Apartment Bartender. It's definitely yeah. Super yeah. hard. Yeah, that dude's awesome, man. We have, we actually had him on the podcast. Um, Elliot. Yeah. yeah. We, we had him on the on the, on the the podcast a few weeks back. Nice, yeah, nice, he's nice. a great dude, yeah. So I do, yeah, I, I, I am kind of inspired by him. I'm like, oh, man, we, maybe we should like start Start a, a shirt company better. or all this <laughs> stuff, right. Because we already have merch and stuff. We just we just don't really pay attention to it. Nice. But luckily, you know, my, my wife, who's, you know, essentially my business partner as well, she's kind of like over the last, maybe since like April, she's kind of really started to put, put more focus on it. And she's like, we need to get more merch. We need to get like pins and really cool shit. And I'm like, okay, okay. All right. So that's an interesting segue. So my wife also does help me with some of this stuff. Yeah. Where was that? Where was that transition from whatever job she was doing to like, mm-hmm. damn it, I'll help you? Like, where was that? Um, yeah, right when we filmed the documentary. Okay, that's when she it. actually quit her other job. And she was, you know, helped. She was, uh, was a producer for the film and kind of helped, you know, keep everything on track. So and was she in the that? industry, like the film industry? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, bartending industry. Yeah, okay, she had no it. film okay. background. None of us have any film background <laughs> at all. We, have, we had no idea what we were doing. But yeah, my, my wife, she's, you know, bartended, you know, worked in restaurants, hospitality for a long time. And so she kind of just... Hopped in, and then she she gets a kick out of it. She likes doing it. That's cool. And she's like my full partner in everything we do. So, yeah, very nice. Yeah, so it's, it's a lot of fun. It's and how fun. did you go about recruiting, uh, like people to film and things like that? Were you just like finding a friend? Like, dude, yeah, here's actually, how to work a camera. One of our, um, oh, they say yeah, I'm actually really glad you asked. One of our bartenders um, at Polite Provisions, he had just graduated from film. Yes, oh, um, that's like in film yeah. from San Diego State, and he was like, oh, let's do something. We're like, cool, let's do it. So. We kind of um, went out on the road with him, and then the editor of our movie used to be a bartender as well. Okay. At this really good place in San Diego called uh, Line Share, hmm. great restaurant and cocktails. And then so, so I feel like everybody who's really involved with the film, it's like all of us were bartenders. So it's like it was nice to have a bartender editing or an ex bartender editing the film because he like knew where to cut and where the action right, was and right, stuff. Right. So it was, yeah, it, it, it did, did make it um, a lot easier. So it's essentially the entire film was like you know kind of. Five bartenders, four bartenders, you know. Really, there was only one other guy who kind of helped, you know, clean up the color and stuff at the end. 
um, and touch up the sound. That, that mm-hmm. wasn't a bartender, but I'm sure you could still make a decent cocktail, so that might be close enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, talk about the event one more time in Detroit. So you're going to be doing this tonight. Uh, we're not going to be going live, so yeah. we're probably going to have to do a little bit of a recap. But kind of your when as you come into this, your thoughts and goals for you know doing this event tonight. Yeah, just to just to hang out there, everybody, man. Um, so I'm only behind the bar from from eight to midnight. I specifically asked Julie. I was like, well, I don't. I want to be off at midnight so we can go hit a dive bar afterwards. You know, I want. I don't want to be stuck all all night. I want to be able to go have a beer with everyone after. So yeah, so just making cocktails. Um, yeah, man, I'm I'm having a blast, man. I'm out here with a. I'm also a, a partner in a distillery called uh, AZ Distilling. Oh, so I'm, we're gonna I'm gonna be using um you know our gin, our 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 vodka, and our bourbon for cocktails tonight. So it's just a way for me to hang out with everyone, man, have fun, kind of um, you know, the last few days I feel like I've been going to their bars and having a cocktail made by them. And now they can have a cocktail made by me. Is AZ in our liquor book? Should be. Okay, we'll, we'll say that. Yes, it is. Yes. It oh, is. yeah, yeah, yes. it is available it totally here in Detroit. Is. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forget who the distributor is, but yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Um, so you mentioned kind of getting a drink after your shift. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're, uh, I don't think Detroit necessarily has that super late night crowd. Um, maybe kind of what do you look for? Uh, you finished a shift, you know, it's 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. What, what do you want? Are you like, I just need a glass of water? Or like, damn it, I need a beer? Like, what is that end process yeah generally like the the now it's nice because i write the schedule so i don't really i rarely have to close <laughs> you know I, now when i do I bartend <laughs> when i do bartend i have like the you know we call it like the hollywood shift where it's like all right i'm four to six guys or not, four not four to six. six no i'm sorry no 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 it's a four to six hour shift so you, you know you'll go from like four to ten or four to midnight okay. yeah so you kind of just like you, and it's nice because no one else wants that shift generally. That's like because they're like shift, four, you know no four, four to six would be great yeah yeah no um but um yeah so it's like a four to six sometimes eight hour shift okay. but it's like none of the other staff really wants it because they want you know they want to stick around longer and make more money got it so it's like you know kind of hop on at four off at ten mm-hmm. you know kind of just break everybody okay and I'm out so yeah th- 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 those are the you know when you're the owner you can do those plus uh, I-, I think it's important for for the owners of the bars to still get back there and do a shift periodically just because. You get you get more honest feedback from clientele when they think you're an hourly employee rather than an owner. When it's like they find out you're the owner or even the general manager or anything, they're like, "Oh, everything's wonderful. Oh man, everything's so great." And it's like, you know, I don't know, maybe they're trying to butter you up or something. But but when they think you're an hourly, that's when they start giving you real good, real feedback. You We're start getting, to see, yeah, you know what exactly people are liking or not. They'll come in, oh, you know, just to let you know that you guys are out of toilet paper in both stalls. And you're like, oh, okay. All right. And in your mind, like, okay, cool. Maybe the host need to work on the running right. side. Right, 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 So it's like, it, it allows you to be a little more engaged, you know? We're getting uh, engineer Dave over here shaking his head because he owns a bar. And he's just like, yeah, maybe I should do some bartending. <laughs> I do. <laughs> you do? Oh, yeah. yeah. I have to I have to get it. This is both in Oxford and um, Warren? Yep. Okay. And yeah. in fact, then we're opening here this week. Yeah. Oh, yeah, down there? Is yeah. it that little corner? Kegerator's up and running. We're, we're good to go, yeah. Give us a little shout out to your place now that I've asked uh, you to talk. Falling on beer company. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Good stuff. What's your PSI? I, I know. Just kidding. Not yeah. <laughs> it's called delegating, man. <laughs> I'm just kidding. There's a specialist that can run that. Um, good stuff. Yeah. So the couple times I did bartend and you get done at like 2 a.m., you'd be like, or 3, Uh I think, yeah, it's just something that you don't want to think about it. You're like, I want a beer. I don't want to mix anything. Mm-hmm. I don't want to think about it. I just want to sit, relax, and drink something that was delicious and made for me. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes, yeah, after a long shift, because you've been like straw tasting and tasting it and kind right, of just right. engaged, you've had your, your palate engaged for the last, you know, 
you know, eight to 10 hours, sometimes more if you're like, you know, New York or something doing these 12 hour shifts, but you want to complete disengage. So I feel like something like a Pilsner or a lager is like definitely in order. And something you, that's just like essentially just watery. Sure. You know, to kind of just rinse your palate and like help you reset. Do you straw test everything? No, no. But I mean, just sometimes you're making something like, you know, you make a Caprania or you're mm-hmm. making a, a bourbon smash. Like you have to straw taste those, you know. So, you know, as you're going or if you're like, you know, coming up with a riff on something for somebody, you know, it's, I just feel like your, your, your palate, you start to get that fatigue. Yeah. So it's like, you know, when, when you're off, you don't want like a complex like Bordeaux or like, you know, something that you think about too much. You kind of just want something to kind of just reset. Right. That's why it's, I've noticed like, I, I remember when I used to uh, work at Rick House in San Francisco, we used to have all these chefs that would come in and from across the street and, you know, the restaurants nearby. And they would always like, they would always have a vodka soda. They would always just order a vodka soda and then slam it. And then they would order like a proper cocktail afterwards. And they would just always do that. And I remember asking them like one time, cause this was like, you know, you know, in the era when like, you know, everybody was like knocking vodka sodas and stuff all the time. And, you know, they would actually like throw back vodka soda and then like order penicillin. Sometimes they'd order both at the same time, you know, and, and I was like, hey, what's the scoop on that? Why do you always do, always do a vodka soda first? And they're like, well, it's like, you know, we're in the kitchen, man. We're just tasting things for the last 10 hours. And it's like, my palate's blown, man. So it's like vodka, like, is just a solvent. It just like rinses everything oh, off of my mouth. It rinses everything off of my tongue. And then now I can like move on to like a penicillin or, you know, a south side or something else of that nature. But that, like, that first drink is just a reset. I love that. I was like, shit, that's actually a good call, man. That, yeah. that makes total sense. So we had Chef Mark, who used to be at Wolfgang's. And he gave us a, a great Wolfgang story. Do you have a good celebrity story you can share us being um, in Southern California? Shit, yeah. I remember um, uh, the the San Francisco Giants. Okay. You, you know, I forget what year it was. It was like 2000, 2010 okay. when, when they won the World Series. Like during the playoffs, they all came into Rick House one night. Might have been, yeah, 2009, 2010, one of those. They all, they all came into Rick House. The, the entire team came in. And it was just like, we, we, yeah, I remember they, they were like, oh, could we get some shots? I, and I think they wanted like, some of the guys wanted just like, you know, shooters, mm-hmm. just like something that's like mixed with juice. So I was like, no, you guys are having tequila. <laughs> so you were, <laughs> and it was like, oh, no, no, I don't want tequila. I was like, no, you guys are having tequila. It's on the house. Come on. And I just, we poured shots for everybody. Like, that's great. Pretty much the entire front bar, everybody who's still there late night. And everybody did a big shot together and it was great. And then, you know, they went on to win the World Series. And I like to think that tequila had a little something to do with ah, it. You know? very cool. That's so good we, stuff. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. That's hospitality. Yeah. 100. Yeah. What else we got to talk about? Whereas we wind down to the end of this episode. Oh, and then another time I made a cocktail for um for Wayne from the Wonder Years, which was pretty cool. Is that the friend or the older uh, brother? Uh, yeah, Kevin Arnold's. Uh, Kevin Arnold, yeah, it's his brother. Yeah. Okay. All right. You made a cocktail for him. What, what was he interested in? Uh, he just, I think he just had like, you know, I made it something just like an El Diablo or something real classic, but he's a real cool dude. I love how you, there's like, you have a file somewhere stored in your memory (laughs) of like what what he was drinking. But I've always remembered what they were drinking. Yeah. (laughs) That's amazing. So, uh, plate provisions, Boilermaker, Raised by Wolves. Raised by Wolves, yeah. And, uh. Anything next on the horizon that you want to tease someone tease us? With? Uh, shoot. Well, yeah. I said we're, we're working on another project, another film project. Nice. Which I think this is really the first place I've even announced it yet. Um. So, but you'll you'll hear more details coming of that soon. Cool. And, and, and we're we're actually going through all our meetings right now, working on um. You know, now that we've made one, we realize all the mistakes we made and how we should do, do it different this next time around. So th- this next one's gonna be even better. Yeah, we're excited. That's all right. Amazing. So people yeah. want to follow you. Where can they find you? Um. Just in Instagram, hit me up on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, I my handle's Hungry Bartender. Mm-hmm. 
But uh, bartender at large is just super easy. Bartender at large, cool. And, and I'm, e- I'm easy to access from there. And if you ever message us, if it, I always let anybody know if like if they ever have like any issues or problems behind the bar, just um, send us a question. And, uh, we'll try to tackle them on the show. Very good. Yeah. So if you're listening to the show after um, that bartender at large has been here in Detroit, uh, mm-hmm. please comment. Let us know how your experience was. Uh, otherwise, thank you so much for coming to Detroit. We're super excited to see you. Uh, that's all we got, yeah, Jason. We'll see you later tonight. Yeah, see you later tonight. It'll be exciting. Jason, have a good week. Uh, we will be back with another show soon. And until next time, dine well, friends.